Well, good morning. My name is Nathaniel. I'm part of the team here. And today I get to unpack the seventh of those Beatitudes that we just heard. In case you weren't counting, that was blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. And what better time than now to talk about peace? Now, if you have any eye on the news at all, you would have seen that from all around the globe, attention has been focused on the situation in Ukraine. Global leaders from all around the world are calling for peace. And from Ukraine, we see constant images of the opposite of, opposite of peace, of war, of death, of destruction, of pain, of turmoil. Don't we all wish that there would be peace in that situation? And that's not a new problem, you know, the, the war in Ukraine isn't the first time we've seen upset and a lack of peace on a global scale, hey. You know, for as long as headlines have existed, our headlines have been filled with stories of war and of all the many other ways in which peace is destroyed and shattered where pain and, and chaos instead reign. And that's not just for as long as headlines have existed, but ever since Eden, our history has been full of this, this lack of peace, this turmoil. Don't we wish for peace? And it's not only on a, on a world stage, is it? Don't we all long for peace in our own lives, in our own situations? Now, whether that's in, in interpersonal relationships, in, in family dynamics, I'm sure that we're all busy with, or we're all familiar with, with fighting and, and difficulties, a lack of peace in our own lives, with the, with the pain of, of seeing hurt and, and conflict in the lives of those we love, with, with the many difficulties that come with life which shatter that true peace. You know, I, I don't know about you, but I, I was sure was deeply touched by Henny's story that he shared just earlier, that, that song. You know, and as we, as we unpack what it means to be a peacemaker, what it means to be a child of God, really that, that passage draws us into exactly what Henny was encouraging us to think about just then. How can I first know and trust and follow God? And then how can I bring about God's love, God's character in the world around me? So if you too are somebody who wishes for peace, who longs for peace, then good news, because today we're going to see how true children of God are to make peace and live in light of the peace which he has made with us. Now, we're continuing our sermon series on the Beatitudes. If you've been here in the last month or so, you'll be very familiar with that passage because we've been learning about these beautiful attitudes which Jesus gives us in Matthew chapter 5. They describe how we are to live in the kingdom of God. And each one of them begins with blessed, a word which means truly happy. Now, the first Beatitudes were vertically focused, that they focused on the way that we approach God and the way that we live in light of our need for Him. And the ones we're in now have become horizontally focused. They speak about how we are then to live our lives having experienced the love of God. And that's the pattern we see all the way through the Bible, that first we come to know and love God, and then our actions in our lives are changed as we experience His love. So today, we'll dig into that seventh beatitude, blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Now, as we've found with the other beatitudes, this simple sentence is packed with a rich 
biblical background, which helps us to see the real significance of being a peacemaker and the beautiful reality of being a child of God. So first, let's think about what it means to be a maker of peace. Well, to start to understand this, we have to first ask, what is the Bible's idea of peace? How does the Bible define someone who makes this peace? Now, fortunately, the Bible has a heap to say about peace. In fact, this idea of peace is crucial right through the story of the Bible. In Hebrew, which is the language that the Old Testament was written in, the word for peace is shalom. Now, if you've been a Christian for a while, you may be familiar with that word because many of us like to pick that up and use it because of the rich meaning it carries. Shalom is not just peace in the sense of an absence of troubles. You know, We might say we're at peace with New Zealand or I'm at peace with my neighbor, but shalom is having a sense of wholeness, a sense of well-being, of having a complete restored relationship with God and with others. And this need for shalom peace is a massive theme throughout the Bible. And making this peace is, in fact, the central message of the Bible. But there we hit upon an unusual part of the phrasing that Jesus uses in this beatitude. Because he says, blessed are the peacemakers. Now, Maybe wondering what's so significant about that. Well, we're probably more familiar with the language of peacekeepers, right? That's something which we see if we, if we cast our mind back to the, to the world stage. We're familiar with the ideas of peacekeepers being sent in to, to maintain a, an otherwise temporary peace that has been established in an area. In our lives, in our interpersonal relationships, perhaps in a, in a difficult family situation or a tense work environment, there's often the need for a peacekeeper, someone who makes sure the peace is kept. Governments, one of their key roles is to keep the peace. But a peacemaker is something different to a peacekeeper. A peacemaker is not just living at peace with others around them. They're not just maintaining the status quo or stopping things from escalating, but a peacemaker is actively bringing God's shalom, peace, into the world around them. So for someone to be a peacemaker, they need to be speaking into a situation where there is some sort of conflict or lack of peace for them to make peace in. That means that being a peacemaker as a human means pushing back against the natural bent of our hearts, which is not peacemaking. So that means that when a peacemaker encounters conflict, they won't react within their rights, but they will react for the better of others to bring peace into a situation. You know, a peacemaker who encounters conflict won't antagonize or or withdraw or, or retaliate. They'll do the opposite. They'll bring calm. They'll engage with care. They will show mercy. So if we look at the Bible, do we see any great examples of peacemakers? Well, yes. Making shalom peace is a common concept in the Bible. In fact, you may be familiar with one key person, or might I say one key God in the Bible, who is constantly at the work of making peace. Because peacemaking describes the way that God has related to us. Because making peace is actually the central message of Jesus and and who he is and what he has done. Now, when we read the story of the Bible, we see at the beginning that God made us to live at peace, in shalom, 
with him, with one another, with the world around us, but that this peace was shattered by human rebellion against God. And that while us here today, we weren't there when that happened, we have been affected by this broken peace, this rebellion in the world from the moment we were conceived. And each of us must admit that we have added to this, we have made this lack of peace worse through our own actions in our own lives. Humanity was separated from God and this shalom peace was thrown into turmoil. We needed a peacemaker between us and God. And that is the good news of Jesus, that God himself became man, that he lived the perfect life, a life of sharing and of showing God's shalom peace. That on the cross he died to pay the penalty for our rebellion so that we might be at peace with our God. In Jesus, we see that God did not react to our rebellion by antagonizing or withdrawing or retaliating with justice to us. But as we read in Colossians chapter 1, for God was pleased to have all of his fullness dwell in him, that's Jesus, and through him to reconcile. To reconcile is to make peace, to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Jesus is the ultimate peacemaker making peace between a broken people and their loving God. You know, that's why when Jesus was born, the angels erupted into song, and what did they sing? Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth, peace to those on whom his favor rests. You know, there's a couple of passages through here. I actually realized just in the 8 a.m. service, a connection I should have seen earlier, all through the Bible, whenever God's peace is mentioned, It always starts with glory to God because how can we not first praise God when we start to think about the peace that he has made with us? God has made peace with us. That is how God relates to us, his people. So the most important question for us to first ask, each of us individually, are you included in that us? Are you at peace with God? Have you experienced this shalom peace which God makes with his people? That is the most important question we could ever ask, whether you know this peace, whether you know this God. It is freely on offer. He freely offers to make peace with us. But have you recognized your need for his peace? Have you accepted that peace? That is freely available and eternally important. You may have heard of Corrie ten Boom. She was a Holocaust survivor who uh, became famous for the way that she shared a message of peace and forgiveness, even through Germany after the war. And she wisely said, if you look around, you'll be distressed. If you look within, you'll be depressed. If you look to Jesus you'll be at rest. But the key point of this beatitude is not only that we are blessed to experience the peace which God makes with us, but that when we experience that peace, when we live in God's kingdom, we become agents of his peace in the world around us as an outflow of his work in our hearts. When God is working in us, that will shape our actions. 
We see this expressed all through the Bible as it unpacks how we can live in light of Jesus. For example, James chapter three says, but the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. Peacemakers who sow in peace reap a harvest of righteousness. So then being a peacemaker is for all people whom God has made peace with. You know, the Beatitudes that we've been working through, they aren't a menu that you can pick and choose from as you want. You know, we can't say, ah, oh, I'm not too good at peace, so I'm instead just going to do a lot of God's mercy showing and, and that'll do me for, for my following of Jesus. No, Jesus didn't target a particular group of people and say, you are the peacemakers. It's for all people. Jesus didn't say, Blessed are the cheesemakers, as if it involves just a particular group of people involved in manufacturing dairy products. But no, it's for all people who have placed their faith in him. It's a position description for what it means to be a part of God's kingdom. So then, how can we be makers of peace? So in the broadest terms, to be a peacemaker then means being a person who strives to bring God's shalom peace to the world around them, bringing his harmony, his reconciliation, bringing the well-being which is found in God to every possible situation in life. So being a peacemaker begins with sharing his great peace with others, and it extends to showing his peace through the way we live our lives. So first then, peacemakers share God's peace. Throughout the Bible, this idea of the shalom peace which God will bring is tied to the fact that it is a message to be shared and it is an incredible privilege to be the messenger who shares this. So take, for example, in Isaiah 52 where we read, how beautiful on the mountains are the feet of those who bring good news, who proclaim peace who bring good tidings, who proclaim salvation, who say to Zion, God's city, your God reigns. The first and most significant way that we can be peacemakers in the world around us is to be channels by th through whom God's peace is made with more people. As we share with them the good news of what he has done. Adopted into his kingdom, we have become messengers of this, this better peace. We can go out into a conflict-weary, strife-torn world with the great news of a peace which can never be taken away. To a world which deeply yearns for a true, lasting peace because that is what we were made to experience. You know, 2 Corinthians chapter 5 uh, reflects on this, as do many other passages through the Bible. It writes, all this is from God who reconciled, made peace, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and then gave to us the ministry of reconciliation. You know, we've been entrusted by God with this ministry of reconciliation, this ministry of making peace. We can help people to see that the peace which God makes with them is a peace which can unite them to their God forever. So then, when you think about the people in your life, are there those in your life 
whom you can share God's peace with. There may be those who are really tough nuts to crack and you're going to be praying and sharing for what you expect may be a long time. There may be those who aren't all that opposed to this Jesus stuff, who maybe you can invite along to the men's event or you could ask to, to join you at an alpha course or you could invite along to, to church on a Sunday morning or you could simply sit down with them and read the Bible with. Who can you share this good news with? And sharing God's peace, being his peacemakers, isn't just about sharing his peace with those who don't know it, but it's about reminding and encouraging other people who do. Because we can so easily lose track of God's goodness, hey? We can so easily, as followers of Jesus, forget what he has done for us. Start to, start to live life aside from the peace he has made with us. And we need to be encouraged and cared for and pointed back to him. You know, my wife, Rachel, she is so good at this. Uh, she encourages me when, when I lose sight of the Jesus whom my ministry is all about. She, she reminds me when I start to neglect to do my, my daily devotionals, she points me back to God's peace. So do you have peacemakers in your life who keep pointing you back to the peace that God has made with you. That shalom peace you can only find with him. And do you do this for other people around you as well? Peacemakers share the good news of God's peace. And they also live it out, bringing this peace into action in their lives and in the world around. Peacemakers show God's peace. Now, Jesus will bring eternal, lasting peace when he returns to remake his people and his world. So we don't need to try and bring this world to a point of perfect peace through our own actions. But we can start to show his peace in practice as we engage with the world around us. Now, it's easy for our minds to jump back to the global scale here and to, to think about Ukraine and our desire for peace globally. But really, we can't do a great deal immediately about that. Don't get me wrong, there's certainly a sense there in which we truly can show God's heart for peacemaking as we make our voices heard on a national and global level, and that is good and right. But where we can have more impact is with those directly around us, with the situations that we find ourselves in and that we put ourselves in. And this is also where it gets more difficult to live out God's peace. But as we're encouraged in Romans chapter 12, do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, so far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. So then, being a peacemaker will involve mirroring Jesus' attitude towards us seeking to show his love in each practical situation we find ourselves in. Sometimes choosing to give up what, what we might rightly see as our, as our rights to instead bring God's peace. Showing mercy when we feel like we have a right to get even. Bringing kindness when we feel angered or infuriated. Showing humility when we feel rightly vindicated being a peacemaker. Now, so then, what, what might that look like in your life? 
Now, that'll look vastly different for each of us as we are in different situations and different life stages. But we can all show God's attitude to peacemaking, even though it won't be possible for us to bring complete shalom, peace, to every situation in life. But, for example, if you're married, could your attitude towards your spouse be described as that of a peacemaker? In our families, how often is there tension between parents and children, especially teenagers, or, or close or extended families. You know, I often irritate my, my sister-in-law and she's described me as a nefarious inconvenience, which, I mean, it's fair enough, uh, so maybe there's some peace I need to make there. Are there any areas of unresolved conflict with other Christians? You know, we're urged in Ephesians chapter 4, make every effort through the unity of the Spirit, through the bond of peace. Or in our friendships, our wider circles, so often there is conflict which breaks apart old friends, disagreements which, sadly, in many cases, neither side makes a genuine effort to resolve. What sort of a person would your workmates describe you as when something doesn't go your way at work or people treat you badly? Or, you know, maybe some really challenging ones here. What happens when someone cuts you off in traffic? Do you make peace? Maybe I can grow there. Or when the call center person is really hard to understand. You know, is, is our natural leaning to make peace with them? Are we honestly and fully trying to promote God's peace? We won't be able to bring peace in every situation, but if our faith is in Jesus, are we known as peacemakers? If not, what would it take? What would God have to do in your heart for you to become someone who is known as a peacemaker in the world around you. Now, before we move on, we have to highlight there, peace is not appeasement. Appeasement is something which seeks to bury a problem without actually addressing or resolving it. Peace seeks to resolve conflict, to bring healing, to restore relationships. Peacemaking will never will never justify or cover up abuse or violence or poor treatment. It will never throw sand over an unresolved issue. It will never make excuses for sin. And also, I'm not claiming to be a perfect peacemaker. I've certainly fallen short plenty of times. But when I look to who Jesus is, to what he has done for me, This must shape the way that I live. How can I not want others to know this peace? Now, as Hanny so beautifully told us and showed us just earlier, how can we first look to God and follow God and trust in God? And then how can we bring God's character into the world around us? How can we show the world around us how good our God truly is? So experiencing the peace that God has made with us through Jesus motivates us to share that peace with others and to show it through our lives. And when you offer this kind of peace to a warring world, you truly do reflect God. It will be clear to those around us that we really are children of God. And that brings us to the second half of the blessing there. What does it mean to be a child of God? Why are peacemakers so happy or or truly blessed? 
because they shall be called children of God. Now, this isn't a question of how we become children of God, right? It, it couldn't be, because it's only through Jesus that we are adopted into God's family, that we are made right with Him. These Beatitudes, they're all about how we respond to Jesus, how we live in His kingdom. It doesn't mean that anybody who's good at making peace will, by making peace, make themselves right with God. It's about how we then live once God has made peace with us. So then, when it says, they shall be called children of God, it describes the world around seeing that we truly are children of God. As scholar Leon Morris writes, there is, of course, a sense in which all believers are members of the family of God, whether they are distinguished as makers of peace or not. But those who make peace are fulfilling what membership in the family really means. And this is something to which all members of the family must aspire. So what then does it mean to be a child of God? For starters, this is really significant. To be a child means a close and intimate connection. And I just want to pause there because we can so easily just say, we're children of God, and that's good. And we sing it in, in kids' church, if you went to kids' church. We say it often as we meet together as Christians. But do you get how truly significant and amazing it is to be called a child of God? And just pause and let that soak in. If your faith is in Jesus, then the maker of the universe, the totally good, righteous, mighty God who sees everything about your heart, everything you have done, everything that, was in, that is within you, if your trust is in Jesus, he has claimed you, he has adopted you as his child. You truly are then a brother of Jesus or a sister of Jesus. Now, if you haven't put your faith in him yet, that is what is on offer for you. Now, this is a famous picture from October 1963. That was a particularly tense time in world politics. Had a bit of a look up when I was uh, checking out the backstory of this picture. It was pretty wild. Some of you guys may remember it, but nuclear stuff going on, it, it was hectic. That's JFK uh, sitting, the President of America, sitting at his desk. He's got lots of papers on there. He's pointing off into the distance. I don't know if there was something important or he's just posing for the camera. But meanwhile, there's this young boy playing underneath the desk in the Oval Office. Not a care in the world. Now, no one else would be allowed into the Oval Office unless they were on very important business. They would get a few minutes of the president's time and they'd be on their very best behavior and then they'd be on their way. But this little child is just playing carefree at his feet kind of interested in something on the desk or the camera, can't quite tell. Why is that? How can he be there? Well, that's JFK Jr. under the desk, the son of the president. He could wander in and out of the Oval Office however he wanted, whenever he wanted. You know, others would walk in and say to Kennedy, Mr. President. He could just run in and say, Dad! But the privilege that we have in being children of God is so much greater than that. Because our God is so much greater than a human leader. His immense love is shown for us in the way that he doesn't just pay the price of our sins and, and set us on our way again, but that he makes us his children. 
First John chapter 3 is one of the many places in the Bible which sort of explodes with, with joy at what God has done for us. See what great love the Father has lavished upon us. That word, lavished upon us, poured out upon us, that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. If you're a Christian, if your faith is in Jesus, do you appreciate the beauty, the closeness, the true shalom with God which you have as his child? And if you haven't been saved by him, if you haven't put your trust in him, do you realize just how much you are missing out on? So the blessing is that peacemakers are called children of God. Not that being a peacemaker somehow makes you a child of God. And that to be a child of God is so rich, so significant. Such a great privilege. You know, as, as scholars look at this, this verse, this blessing to be called children of God, and as they look at the, the broader context of the world of Jesus' day, they, they point out that to be called a child of God communicates two things. First, if you're called a child of God, you are called that because you reflect the characteristics of the Father. And second, because you are a child of God, you receive the inheritance which the Father gives. So first then, children are like their father. They reflect their father. There's an author called A.W. Pink. He made a famous statement about the Beatitudes, which Adam also mentioned a few weeks ago. He says, the Beatitudes are like birthmarks which show that we are children of God. So then, you've got to wonder, you know, of all the Beatitudes Jesus lists, all these good things which are part of being in God's kingdom, why is peacemaking the one which is linked to this incredible privilege of being a child of God, if all of them are like birthmarks of God's people? Well, the clear consensus is it's because peacemaking is what most clearly shows and reflects the way that God has related to his world. You know, to be your father's son means you mirror his characteristics. If you know me, you probably know that I love a good deal. You know, I've, in whatever, whatever situation, I'll go, there's people who work with me in the office smiling. I'll, I'll go down to the shops and I'll come back with some bargain on, on sale or anything I buy. I, I love to get a good discount. What you might not know is I actually get that from my dad. My dad's much the same. He'll find a deal anywhere. He'll, he'll get a bargain. He'll get really excited about it. And so, when I was growing up, you know, I'd go out and I'd come home with some super cheap yogurt I found or something, and, and mum would be, mum would look at that and she'd be like, oh, you really are Ben's son. Because in, in doing that, in reflecting the characteristics of my dad, I show that I really am his son. I start to reflect parts of who he is. When we make peace, when we become peacemakers in the world around us, in response to being made children of God, we reflect to him and to the world around that we truly are his children. We are called children of God because that is what we are. Now that really reinforces the challenge for us as Christians, doesn't it? Because if we are not known for peacemaking... If in your relationships, in your friendships, in your work environment, if you are known as someone who even brings turmoil or someone who might be antagonistic, then we should be convicted of that. 
Because as children of God, we are called to be peacemakers, to be known as peacemakers. So if that's the case, if perhaps people around you wouldn't describe you as a peacemaker, then let's fervently pray and faithfully act with the deep desire that God will grow us to reflect the heart of our Father. But children don't just inherit characteristics from their Father, they also inherit what the Father gives them. So what is the inheritance that we receive from our God? This idea of receiving an inheritance is is a significant one, both today and especially back when Jesus was speaking, because the inheritance you expect to receive significantly affects your hope for the future. But unlike any human inheritance we could receive from any human parent, the inheritance that God offers, that God promises, is far greater and will last far longer than any human inheritance we could ever hope for. So what riches can we expect from our Father in heaven? Well, this inheritance is unpacked more in 1 Peter chapter 1, where he writes, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Again, starting, you have to start by praising God when you talk about the peace that he has made with us. Praise be to him. In his great mercy, he has given us a new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish spoil or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you, who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. In all of this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. Being a child of God doesn't mean that he will give us many material blessings to make our lives now really easy. You know, as Henny testified, we trust in God knowing that he has got such greater plans for us to come. But it does mean that God will give all that we truly need, that he will guide and grow us through this life, doing what is best for us eternally, and that one day he will return, that he will make all things new, and that we will spend eternity in a renewed physical creation, enjoying an inheritance which will never perish or spoil or fade or be broken or be taken away. And an eternal peace, a peace, a shalom, which we have only just begun to experience. And a peace which we can now begin to reflect in our lives as we live following him. Through Jesus, God has made peace with us. He has adopted us as his children. And when we share and show this peace in the world, we are shown to be truly his children. So have you found this peace with God? If so, how can you share and show this peace through your life? Because as Jesus says, blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. In just a moment, we'll close by singing, It Is Well, together. If you haven't heard the story behind this song, it's, it's a beautiful and touching story. It reminds me of, of what Henny shared, in fact. It was written by a man called Horatio Spafford, and it was written after he went through a traumatic series of events. You know, first, his beloved four-year-old son, his only son, died. And then the Great Fire of Chicago ripped through and wrecked his home, destroyed his businesses, 
He decided to take what he had and move his family, his four daughters and his wife, to England. He sent them ahead of him first, but the ship they were on was wrecked. Only his wife survived that of his family. His four daughters perished. So then he went to join his wife in England, and as his ship sailed over the spot where his four daughters died, he wrote the song, It Is Well. Because despite the turmoil and the chaos and the pain which characterized his life, God had made a better and lasting peace with him. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. We thank you that you are a peacemaker, that you have made peace with us, your people, that you have brought us to know you, Lord, that you had no obligation to do this, but that you did this out of your great love for us. Lord, we ask that as we go from here, you will convict and challenge and grow and encourage us by your word and through your spirit, Lord, that we'll be drawn closer to you, that we will see your face, your character more and more, Lord, that you will make us peace makers, sharing and showing your peace in our world. We ask this all in your name. Amen.